I am unashamed. What about you? No, I thought that was a good story we told on the last podcast. Or Zach, remember, because I remember that. That was, because you get into some of these situations when you're working in a worldly environment, because we, we sell duck calls to whoever. Yeah. And so you go do events, and you just think through the years of how many different venues we've been at. Yeah. And Phil kind of set the tone where you share Jesus after the duck call seminar, which is something I, you know, when I came up, because I was kind of the, the one son who understood the duck calls better so that I, I could do the seminars. And I did the same thing. Yep. But that, that time, you know, Phil, which I think Zach said he was at the. Uh, yeah, I don't Zach, know. Zach set it up wrong because he said it was the uh, Hall of Fame. Was that, That's more recently. This was the one Zach was describing was over 40 years ago, and it was in the Superdome. And yeah, at we, the Civic Center, that's right. We had a, we I was had just a, a kid. <clears throat> yeah, we were young. Yeah, we need to do like a disclaimer real quick because <laughs> this comes up a lot. Sometimes we misspeak on here. Okay, so guilty as charged. I misspoke. My wife can't yeah. listen to me tell stories because she's like, no, she can't. She can't even listen to the podcast because she's, she's like, you get the details wrong. I'm like, babe, I talk for hours a week. And look, yeah, I will, I will, let me yeah. do another. Disclaimer. This is a discussion. There's no script. That's right. There, no one, we don't get together and say. It's off the top it, of our heads here. It is literally, we're going through a book. We all do our own personal Bible study. Yep. And then we. And we then just, that's all comes together at this table in North Carolina or Alabama, lower Alabama. Yeah. So to, to go back to Jace's shirt, I could be wrong. Like <laughs> we are wrong from time to time. But I, you were I right about everything except the setup. You were right about the setting. Yeah, I just missed the. I misquoted a little bit. I did that another another episode. I was talking about. Um, Are you saying our fan Peter base is quick it. to point out when you make a misstep, Zach? Somebody in recognize. Well, well, when anybody, that's good though. They're like the Bereans, you know. I, like what I mean, it. that's I, right. I, like, yeah, but we will miss. I will miss this thing. We all do. I think just have a little grace in that. But so I did miss that. But the point remains, you know. Yeah, but you were right. He was standing was under a sign that said Anheuser Busch King of Beers, and he said, "I'm going to tell you about the King of Kings." And the the idea, well, I think he said the yeah the King of Beers because they all cheered. Yeah, and then he said, "But I'm going to tell you about the King of Kings." And everybody went silent. I love it. Now those <laughs> are a pin drop. Those are drop mic moments. <laughs> it got quiet <laughs> because I, it was a bunch of Cajuns in there, and they were all drinking <laughs> but, Budweiser beer. Uh, what he didn't say was. When it ended, they were deadly calm for about 20 minutes. I didn't stay over 15, 20 minutes. But when I concluded that the whole thing, five different preachers that I didn't know were in the audience came to me immediately and said, will you come to our church and do what you just did right there? Right. I said, yeah, Leslie, right. Somebody was with me. I said, write, write down what they say. So that's when... And that went nationwide at the speed of light. Yeah, and and there was anything like it. That started the whole thing about you speaking at, at Beast Feast and all yep. that. So another thing that happened that, Zach, I don't know if you knew about out of that, was when we got back to the booth, because we were selling duck calls in a booth, 
We had a guy named Dubasson. You remember Dubasson, Jays? Yeah, it scared him. It scared He's, him because he he looked. Even at, though I've been been promoting the Evan House forgetful curve, some people are unforgettable. <laughs> so, and Dubasson was <laughs> most of my unforgettable people are Cajuns. Yeah, because he just had a personality. <laughs> he did, and he he was a good. He sold our product. He, he was, did. He's, he was. He good. would put the duck calls in water, little uh, Tupperware. <laughs> dishes uh, with water yeah because you know the number one problem with duck calls is they stick when they get wet yeah you spit in them and and he would he that was his little selling pitch you know he was and he was especially good at selling to other cajuns and people from south he's the one that said what you just did you'll destroy your business because that's what he said when we got back to the booth he said said, you can't do that you can't do that you can't mix religion and business I mean, he was he was adamant about it, you know. And I just remember the reason that struck stuck with me, Dad, was because you were like, Dubasan, did you not hear what I was talking? Did you not hear what I was saying? Yeah, I was talking about the resurrection. I was, you know, you you were telling him so that is our business. It is our business. Like our business yeah. is made uh-huh. up of that. So so it stuck with me as a teenager because you were setting the culture for what we were going to be doing that was way bigger than duck golf. So, I mean, that spoke to me in the moment because you had opposition, you know, because here was a guy. And look, I got what he was saying. What he was saying was, is, look, you're going to be a religious nut. You're never going to make it in the duck hall business. Of course, was he ever wrong about that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dang, well, there's a Dang. difference in being a religious nut and being focused on the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus. That's right. You know, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I you're right. You're, you're right. And people do appreciate authenticity. Uh, you know, most of the people that are throwing haymakers against people of faith, they haven't read the Bible. Yeah. And so I that that's usually what I recommend they do. Before you before you just persecute it mercilessly, why don't you read it? Because I know that by doing so, some of those people will come to the Lord. Yep. Because once you read it, it's hard yeah. to get around. It's way harder to get around than you're you're thinking. Yeah, that's right. I remember. I remember. W- Watching Dubasan debate those guys. Of course, they were some of those guys that would be drinking. They'd come up there and they'd be about half drunk. He he would be like, "What? What do you got hanging around your neck, boy?" And he'd be having a yinsen or something. <laughs> and he would start debating them about having these things. About he said, "You know, if you you get out with me in the swamp with the I guess this duck amount of duck call." He said, "You know, I'll I'll show you what I can do." You know, and he would always like have all these debates with him and stuff. He was, a, but he was really, you know, when I wonder I, what happened to old Dubas. I don't know. I hadn't talked to him in years. I wonder if he's still alive. I, well, I used to think that about. You know, we uh, we uh, you remember when we went through the few years of we weren't getting any credibility, so we would all shave and uh, you know wear khakis to like the shot show because nobody would stop at the booth. They just saw a bunch of bearded, you know, guys over there. Like, no, that looks like you know, like they're promoting some kind of homeless shelter or <laughs> that we needed that, to yeah, look yeah. like everybody else. I mean, that's literally what they thought. They thought these people were on Skid Row. So we thought, well, what if we... All we needed what, was a sign saying the end is near. Right. I said, yeah, okay, that's... Yeah. So remember, we tried that, and we did have more conversations, but ultimately it was the authenticity of it all, which came from the videos mm-hmm. and the showing the duck calls actually working in, an, in a hunting environment with the personalities that actually made it successful. None of those things really worked in the short time. That's right. So, which is, 
you know, we we thought I used to have conversations with with buyers from major companies, Cabela's and Pass Pro and Walmart, and we were talking about the guys on the videos who who I was one of them, but they didn't realize that I was one of those people because I had shaved and was wearing nice clothes. And they were like, well, those guys, you know, they're something. Those characters. Yeah. They saw them as characters. That They didn't even make the connection. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty well, really, I mean, that 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 event, the, which was not Phil's induction into the soup, uh, the Hall of Fame, <laughs> but was a duck call demonstration at the Superdome, that, that event was kind of the embodies even the name of our podcast now, which is Unashamed. I mean, you stood up there as a duck call maker and – and brought the kingdom, which, you know, that's, I, I, I say this a lot too. Like we, you know, it's not even sometimes explicitly sharing the gospel. Maybe it's just doing your job right. Like there's a, a I won't say the restaurant in our town. There's a restaurant that has the worst service in this area. I Call mean, them out. The, just tell them, just <laughs> tell us. So we'll never I, go I, there. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to say it but the, on their sign. It says, it says Jesus is Lord or something like that. And I'm like, no, don't put that on your sign because your <laughs> yeah. restaurant does not embody what your sign says. No, you would be better point. off not putting that on the sign and just serving people well and making really good food. <laughs> I'm like, but it's like, we're signaling that we got this Lordship thing, but what you guys built too. Like you had a superior product. I mean, you guys like put all your passion into it, which is which is again another way that you glorify God in the kingdom is whatever you do, you do it to the glory of God. So what you built, not just the you know, it's not just the duck call either. It's the story that developed around that and the way that you guys did videos. And it was, I mean, it, it, you were very particular about you know how that was put out there, and it was before reality TV was a thing. I mean, you guys were cutting edge on some of that, you know, like this, we're going to duck hunt like we like people really duck hunt. We're going to make a duck call that sounds like a real duck. There's stuff that was like, whoa, you know, mind blown. But yeah, I think that yeah. there's more to it than that. Oh, I remember I, the first, what eventually led to me to be a head coach only in the little league world was cause I was asked to be an assistant, but I didn't know who the head coach was. He was just one of the parents. And we get out there coaching kids in baseball, and this guy is like using never four-letter word known to man from these kids. And uh, it was bothering me. But what really bothered me is then before the game or before practice, he would we would have a prayer, but it was always the Lord's Prayer. And he would be angry. I mean, he would say, you, you memorize this prayer. And I just thought, I, I will not be able to function. I, I'm going to have to confront him about this. And I did just because I thought, what are we teaching them here? We're teaching them that you can you can memorize a prayer, but you basically don't put it into practice because you're you're acting like just an angry man, you full of profanity. And look, I will say it was a happy ending when I he he had just never he wasn't putting the two and two together. Yeah, it was like you have a religion compartment, you have a baseball compartment and in his world of baseball four letter words were just part of the game right you know right. but i'm looking at these kids thinking we don't want them we're 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 training kids for life we're not this ain't this bigger than baseball and uh but i zach when he told that story it made me think of that because i was like when he said we're gonna say the lord's prayer i was thinking no 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 this is worse 
This is actually worse. Because you're mixing in this with the now other. Now you're like, yeah, now I'm justifying my terrible attitude, you know. And uh, so then I realized moving forward. You never want to use the Lord's name in vain and in prayer, you know, easily what, back what and forth. What are we telling our kids, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. what are you doing here? And now, look, I, I'm not throwing him under the bus because he did make some changes. And he actually apologized to the based on my rebuke and yeah, but i did it in a bit just me and him i said look here, here's it's, this has bothered me and uh you don't need to be using that kind of language because i'd whip my you know child's butt if he said that yeah. now, now how am i going to make a stance for it when you're leading the lord's prayer and that's basically the way i went at it was from my son who's on your you're the head coach and so which what's crazy is it you know maybe this is just coincidence but i confronted him he made changes and then we got to the end of the season and he resigned before the season was over and i just took over which was actually perfect with me now i don't know why he resigned i noticed y'all probably did too when the guy got hurt then one of the football games in the nfl this year you know the collision over there yeah when he, he, sto he stopped breathing it's the first time i've ever seen legitimate prayer in a long time Everybody started praying over that one because death, death was, it, he's dealing with death over here on the sideline. Well, reality came, came, came home to roost on that one. Well, I've seen prayer. I was impressed. I've seen prayer, but I've never seen it spread as far and wide and long as it did. Me either. And I've never seen anybody lead an open prayer on ESPN on a show before. Me either. Until, <laughs> until crazy that. about people. It all of a sudden became socially acceptable to pray based on this circumstance. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. Kind of crazy. It was a little yep. nuts. And speaking of prayer day, I'm glad you brought it up because I've been wanting to do this for a few podcasts and I just hadn't, hadn't done it. This pot, I mean, this um, scripture we've been in has been about suffering. And I wanted to have a prayer about uh, what's been going on in, in Turkey and Syria because we got some folks that we know that we've been supporting for years um, that have worked over there in, in mission. You mean they were impacted by this? They were impacted. Um, they're, they're alive and they're, now they're doing a lot of work helping other people. But I just wanted to pray for the people. I mean, that, that thing is probably. I hadn't seen the latest results, but it's probably nearing 50,000 dead. It's probably going to wind up being way more than that. Whew. And so a lot of people have suffered because of that. So I wanted to, Dad, if you would have just a prayer for those that have uh, have suffered, continue to it was suffer. in Turkey and somewhere else. Uh, Syria. Syria, yep. yeah. If you don't mind offering up a prayer All for right. those folks. Father, we stop right now to pray. We see things like tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes and... and uh, it's uh, sometimes overwhelming. So many lose their lives. I just pray, Father, that out of out of the, the the what's left on the ground, that many would come to fear you, to love you. Life is is short, Father, as it turns out, and you made it that way, and it's full of trouble, and uh, n natural things we look at coming from a supernatural being, we just pray, Father, that out of this and uh, and the ramifications of it, that people would, in fact, in that part of the world, Syria or Turkey, they would put their faith in Jesus, who has fixed it so that we can all 
live forever if we just point to Jesus and be careful how we live our lives before others who don't. So I pray for all the ones, Father, and all the ones that are suffering at this time. And I pray, Father, that out of this, uh, we would help those people out. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dad. I was thinking this book was written, this letter, uh, to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. So, I mean, ironically, you know, 2,000 years later, uh, some of the folks that um, have suffered through some of this or, you know, I guess would have been long, long, long-term descendants of some of the same folks. So I guess suffering goes on in, in any context. I'm sure there's probably brothers there. Oh, yeah. Uh, some There's some folks that uh, that we support through One Kingdom that are actually there doing relief work now. So, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. A lot of churches uh, are doing a lot of amazing work. But it was a it was devastating for sure. Loving God and loving your neighbor takes on new meaning sometimes, but it takes an earthquake to do it. It does. And and Jay's mentioned this in the last podcast and and you know, Zach and I have been to places as well, um, around the world that man, people, you know, they live in some pretty rough places uh around the world and go through a lot of stuff. So if you've ever been there, you understand that. So in the last podcast, we went through the first uh four verses of 1 Peter 5, and we talked about this idea of, of uh, Peter as an elder, and Zach had the same take that I did on it, that it was a very humbling approach that Peter takes because he, you know, being an apostle, and I mean, I guess you could argue that maybe other than Paul, I mean, he was probably the most effective, wide-ranging apostle. I mean, he was, and even more so, that he preached the first gospel sermon. He was the one that first you know, approach the first Gentile and Cornelius. And so, you know, he had a huge impact on the church beginning. And now we're at the end of his life when he's writing this book. And so he makes a very directed appeal to elders and talks about, you know, the coming of Jesus, the chief shepherd. And so he talks about this idea of shepherding and eldership. And we talked about that on, on the last podcast and some in overtime about this idea of shepherds and sheep. And so in verse five, he's going to kind of shift and and now kind of shift it and make his appeal to the young men. And, and I think in a way it's kind of bringing back in this idea, kind of his point, which is in the whole book about submissive again, because he's going to go back to that same central theme because he says young men in the same way, and he's used that term throughout this whole book, be submissive to those who are older. And I'm assuming he meant to the elders because he's that's who he just referenced. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, and then he's going to quote Proverbs 3, 34, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So he's going to kind of come back to that same idea again. He's been combining these two things about being submissive, and yet in, out of that submissiveness and the humility, you know, there's a this concept of suffering is going to come in as a result of it. Yeah, and to Jace's point, um, we had, well, you guys weren't involved in this point because he said it when we were talking in between podcasts, but I mean, this is really where this whole thing kind of coalesces into, you know, I think the, to Jace's point, the main point of what he's getting at here is this type of, of spirit that we are to embody 
Um, I think we said this in the overtime. I can't remember when we said it, but like this is not. I don't think that that this First Peter five is is. I don't think what Peter's trying to say is, hey, here's your structure on leadership. I don't think that's what he, we can grab things from this on how we structure church leadership. But I think more importantly, it's less about a model and it's more about a spirit that, that he wants God's people to embody, not just the, the leaders of the church, but also the young men that are coming up into leadership and the women and everybody else. It's the spirit of humility and submission, which is so countercultural in 2023, because when we hear the word submission, we're automatically thinking I'm out, right? I mean, you, you have I- images pop up in your mind of of maybe an, an MMA fight when you force someone into submission. That means that they lost and the other person won. If you submit, you lose. But in God's economy, it's not like that. In God's economy, the, to submit is actually to win. Christ submitted. He submitted himself to death. Philippians chapter 2, we're to embody this spirit of humility and I think that's why he says here, he doesn't just leave it with just humble yourselves. He says, there's a promise in here that if you humble yourselves, you um, that he will lift you up. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the, uh, the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And so, again, you can just see the gospel over and over of death to resurrection, death to resurrection, suffering to glory, humility to exaltation. That's the whole thing. That's that's what he's he's promising us here and trying to build that picture in our minds of, of how we are to conduct ourselves in the midst of suffering. No, oh, that's interesting. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's the whole idea of how you advance and and the idea is is you you advance by growing and submitting yourself. It's interesting because last night, Jay, uh, my son in law, he's you know he's really into jujitsu, which is a a discipline, <clears throat> and it's more of a defensive discipline, and it's all about submission. Is the whole idea, and that's how you advance is by submission. I mean, it's just a constant thing about submitting as someone gets you in a bind. And so it was interesting. So he was moving to a ne- his next color belt last night. And it's like a two and a half hour, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like a, it's a whole thing, a whole evening. And it's, and it's interesting, this whole process they do. First, they have, to, they have to exhibit all these maneuvers. Like there's like 88 of them, and he has to do that first. And then he has to roll, they call it, with everybody in the school. Every everybody that's there, every adult. So first, you go through all the people that are above you, which means that you're going to submit to every one of them because you had to roll with everybody in the school. So they're all better than you. So you had to submit to every single one because they're all just within a few seconds. Then you wind up rolling with everybody that you're better than them. And so it was really interesting. But this whole process takes like an hour and a half. So I mean, by the time it's over, he's just completely exhausted. Because he's gone through this whole thing. So he's just spent, you know. And I watched that, and through this physical thing, this discipline they're doing, I thought, man, in a lot of ways, that's what it's like in a spiritual sense, this constant act of submission. Some are stronger than you, some are weaker than you, but the idea is to submit yourself fully to the cause. And it was just, you know, one physical, you know, example of it. But I thought that's exactly what we do spiritually. It closely parallels Ephesians Five and six wives and husbands is covered. 
by being self-controlled and alert, children and parents, slaves and masters, and he finally gets down the the armor of God and what and you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's Ephesians, but but Peter said Satan is like a what do you say? It said a a big so he your enemy the devil prowls uh, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You say, boy, what what a what a text, and so. I don't know how alert you better be, but... Well, he also says in Ephesians 4... Standing firm in the faith. In in Ephesians 4, he said, don't give the devil a foothold. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you don't think a foothold is that big a deal, but these these fighters, these, uh, you know, that stuff, they can... They can break your foot. Yeah, you know they right. they get the arm. He's always got arm bar, arm bar. You know, snap. That's it. It's over. <laughs> Which is why the submission's so important. Because well, once yeah. they get a hold of you, <laughs> well, I do think there's two things. Hang on, Jess. Let's take a break. You know, two things that work here. You know, putting on the putting off the old self is this this spirit of pride and. And selfishness. Yeah, the Apostle Paul's view of it is is when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Peter's is, in in other words, it ain't like if it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Right. I mean, when it happens, you be ready. Put on the full armor of God. It's a pretty long list. But But what I was going to say is you put on the new self, you are battling the evil one, and you know, he started off that Ephesians uh, six, yeah, you know, saying it, it's not just about flesh and blood. I mean, it says it's not because he he always wants to give you the perspective because it is we do struggle with our flesh and other people's flesh, but he's you know, as a Christian and as a believer in God of the of the you know the, as creator of the universe, we realize there's something always behind that which helps our perspective. It, it helps you be able to love the sinner and hate the sin. or But we use things like evil and where the world's like, oh, no, it's all it, it's all psychology or just social issues. They're, they're trying to fix there's the same nobody, problem. There's not somebody after you. All right, there's no you know, spiritual demonic forces of evil in the heavenly realm. They, they don't believe that. But what I was going to say is I think what's significant before we get into that, because that will probably be the whole podcast, is uh, I think what's really interesting about Peter, what he wrote here in 1 Peter 5, is this is the exact opposite of what happened in Matthew 16. You know, when Peter, Jesus was asked, who do y'all say I am? And Peter answered, and this is kind of a big moment because Peter got it right. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And so Jesus is like, blessed are you. I'm going to build my church on this. You know, we're all high-fiving and everybody's happy. So about three or four verses later, Jesus says, so now let me explain this to you all that I got to die. I got to suffer. I must suffer many things. He said that in 1621. But I'm going to be raised from the dead. Well, Peter, he takes him aside here. He has, you know, I told that story about the baseball coach. Well, now here's Peter taking him aside. I said, look, look, you don't, you're not going to die. 
you're not gonna <laughs> what are you thinking here we're we're on a roll here <laughs> we're building we're yeah, building yeah i just it, told you you're the son of the living god you're the yeah, son of the living god we're nobody's gonna get to you to rule i mean this is way beyond two guys wrestling around you know on a mat and we're you, fixed to take over the world. And you just said, I'm going to play a big role in this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So well, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready. Come I'm on. I'm ready. So Jesus, you know, says, well, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> You're a stumbling block. And that's why I said there's always this struggle. We, we need to wrestle with the right particular set of circumstances. We need to fight. When it's time to fight, there is a time to fight, and it is against the spiritual forces of evil, but God is also supplying an armor, but you have to realize that perspective matters on that. But So then he says, to, to the overall point of what he's explaining in First Peter, and you now see how Peter's figured this out, Jesus said to him in 24, Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gained the whole world? Because he knew Peter was thinking that. We're going to crush this earth. We're going to restore the kingdom back to where it belongs. And we're going we're gonna to rout Rome. We're going to take on anybody. We're going to be leaders of the universe on earth. And he had missed the whole point. And so then you, Jesus introduced that if you want to go up, you got to go down. If you want to be somebody, you got to consider yourself a nobody. And so now at full circle in his letter, he's like, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because, I mean, Peter didn't receive that well because we know he eventually denied him after that. Even I mean, Jesus was quite clear. This is the plan of God. And this is what's going to happen. That's a good point, Jace. <laughs> that's the guy that now that's writing this, which is the whole thing's about suffering and humility. Shit. Yeah, exactly, and submission. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it struck me though when you read that and then see how far he's come, and you you remember that it, it gives you hope for us that this is a process. Grace is a process, and you you it, it's hard to wrap your head around these spiritual qualities, especially as young men. Because, look, when I was a young guy, it was all competition. I want to strap everybody. If, you know, if somebody starts a fight, I'm, I'll get a weapon. You know, I, it, it was rah, rah, rah. And a lot of that is from the way you're raised or, you know, how you're thinking and just being young and full of testosterone, you know. But as you come to the Lord, you realize and, and you just see the you know, the detrimental things that happens when you go out there and you think you're going to take the world for yourself and conquer the world. And, and we all were humbled. And so I've always thought it's better just to decide to be humble based on the grace of God than to be humble. Cause we're all going to be humble. You know, you know, that Philippians two says that it, it talks about how Jesus chose to submit, to become less. He humbled himself. That's our model. But then he's exalted above all things. And then everyone else will be, every knee will bow. So the humbling will happen. It's, it's up to you to decide when, when is that going to happen? Is it when you're completely out of options and Jesus has come back? And, or is it when you're you know, on death's door and you're like, you know, I don't have any other? Or is it based on you hearing this saying, you know what? God is good. 
He's got a plan for me. He can use me. I'll just decide to humble myself instead of being humbled to get the humility right. <laughs> that I that God wants me to have. It is interesting too. Uh, let's take another break. That some of the writers, like James, says something so similar in his book. He says in James four, listen to the similarity in his message in Peter's. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He uses very much almost the same exact language that Peter uses in his letter with that same concept. And Peter's letting everyone know that I, I put all of my anxiety, I lifted in my head and made it more more. And he came, became more, cast all your anxiety, verse 7, on him, God, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. If the devil come, he's coming. He says, you know, I've already experienced it. But think and think about that. Oh, Jesus, because I sure blew it. But that's a powerful thing, though, Dad. You're right. Think about and you talk about a timeless message, because he's talking to young young people. Oh, I know it. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Yep. You think about what gets young people today. I mean, Zach, you and Jace have college age kids. You talk about Mm -hmm. what 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 gets our young people today. Anxiety because no one cares about them. Yeah, I mean that message yeah. would preach today to young people about anxiety because nobody because oh, we, they don't yeah, care we're about in a it. anxiety epidemic. Uh, and you think about, I mean, I, I actually worked in the pharmaceutical industry for a number of years, and my uh, my specialty was psychotropic medications, antidepressants, antipsychotics, and psychotropic you know, <laughs> medication. The yeah, evil one is using anxiety as a like a, as a weapon. Yeah, that's the word for the day. It's a, it's a weapon, but I think that we were yeah. Psych, we're, but the point I was going to make is that we're we're treating all of these things. You kind of mentioned this earlier, Jace. All these things are we want to say they're just biological illnesses, and we want to we want to discount the spiritual part of this. And man, I think we do a great disservice. I mean, you can look at the statistics on on anxiety levels and depression levels and suicidal ideation. Oh. It's it's gone through the roof in the, in the last epic, few years. Epic, epic proportions. Epic proportions. It, it doesn't seem like the way we are treating mental illness is working. I think we ignore a lot of the spiritual components of it, and particularly with anxiety. If you think about one of one of the roots, not the only root, but one of the roots of of anxiety. Well, one is what you mentioned, not feeling that anyone cares about you. Another one is when you try to acquire the position of God, when you try to acquire that position that's his and you're exalting, your, exalting yourself, and that can create a lot of anxiety in your life because then now you're taking on the responsibility of something that you can never, ever come through on. Phyllis, so the nurse, this, Phyllis, our daughter, and she nurses people. They, they, it's where they send them when they are just cannot take another day on planet Earth. There, she said, every one of them, look, anxiety level is all the way to the tip of their toes. They're just full of anxiety, and they don't know why, and there's no Jesus there. So it's, yeah, it's a I rough think, deal. I think, that the, I think when you humble yourself 
and you quit taking on the response to the degree because this is progressive to the to the degree that you quit taking on the responsibility of what's God's, then there is there is a level of 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 a clarity and peace and rest that comes through that when you live when you live as God intended you to live and and I think there's something that comes from that that's peaceful. And that's why I think the message of the gospel for us, one of the most powerful things that we can offer, not us offering, but at least sharing what God offers, is that peace of mind. Because a lot of people are really tormented with inside themselves. And I've been there, you know, this is a lot of this is personal experience. You know, you, you have been in those spots where I've been overcome with anxiety and and uh and and the and these things. And but man, when you just can rest in this idea that God is is there that he's good and that he loves you. I mean, there, there's a lot of power in that. And Plus, I think that's uh, what Peter's ultimately getting to. Yeah, while you're there, in that verse 10, uh, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he does say, and I think it comes to all of us, after you have suffered a little while, God will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So it's not like it's never going to come, and the anxious moments and the and the all the things we struggle with from day to day, especially young men. You say there's a lot of these college campuses. If you started going down through the list, Zach, it it'd be a tough it'd be a tough go. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Zach, you weren't on the podcast, but uh, when the wives were on, uh, Missy said something that was fascinating. She, she, we were talking about leadership and submission, and I asked the wives, you know, is is your husband worth submitting to, or something like that? And she said something fascinating about Jay. She said, "I, I, I love the fact that I that I can rest in my husband's leadership." And I'd never heard that particular phrase before. And well, I was surprised too. I was it, like, mm, "I like that." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but but she and then she compared that to the idea of how we rest in the leadership of Christ. And she she said that in her how she felt about Jace leading their family. And it was just kind of what you described. You used that same phrase there, and it 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 made me think about what she said. It made me think about this verse in Luke. 1225 when Jesus said that's whole passage in Luke 12 is about Jesus talking about why we worry and he says in verse 25 who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life yep and and I love that idea that we can trust God enough to say why would we worry if ultimately uh-huh. we trust, because it doesn't do any good anyway. But I noticed she developed that attitude when I quit declaring and started actually yeah. eating. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the problem. You know, people in churches, uh-huh. they'll they'll debate these roles of husbands and wives at nauseam. And it's more about you understanding you're submitting to one another out of Christ. So there's a certain amount of service that each one are providing providing but god made us male and female we're then the differences are very noticeable contrary to what our culture is saying and then so you find that role in there and uh i just you know to me leadership is you're making these jesus decisions in your marriage and in your kids and you're having these confrontations that are out of love just like i told about i keep going about that story you know i 
it's never comfortable to, you know, confront. Like I was talking about that baseball coach. I was very uncomfortable doing that. But you're like, why'd you do it? Because I love these kids. I mean, I didn't really care a whole lot about him. I mean, to be honest, because it was making me angry. But I thought, well, you could I, I want these kids in heaven, and I feel like what you're doing by swearing and being angry and being hypocritical and then just trying to throw in the Lord's Prayer. You could have taken it, the offense to your own sensibilities, It was you, but you were worried about something greater than that. It was about their sensibilities. It was about their future. Exactly. But what I'm saying is my position is I had to, he was the head coach. So I was in a submissive role. I just, you know, confronted him and I was very humble about it. I mean, I I, I didn't come on, what do you try? Because I knew that one. He's the head coach. He can say, hey, bye. Yeah. And uh, so, and that's why I just kept it there. But I think you understand that navigating that in marriage is, is the same way. And yeah. I, there, there's two there's two things going on here, and which I want to say. Hang on, let's take our last one. You know, I really, I really feel like in our culture today. So when you read these verses, I mean, you just think about all the verses we keep reading. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. We made reference to the Ephesians. Don't, don't let the sun go down while you're angry, you know, because you're giving the devil a foothold. Well, Ephesians 6 says, uh, uh, our, uh, put on the full armor of God, verse 11 so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes or strategies. Well, I'm seeing a pattern develop here. There, there, is, a, there is a battle that, that goes on. There, there's a fight occurring. And so I think people in our culture, they, they, the problem is they view the, when you hear the word devil, we think. It, people either laugh. Yeah. Or say, oh, well, it's a joke. It's a, or... They're all the way on the other end, and everything's the devil. It and it's he. It's like almost uh, magical in 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 some case where he's just running rampant and omnipotent. And, yeah, possessing uh, yeah. everyone, and there's nothing you can do. So, and the reason I bring that up because I think somewhere in the middle of that is our is a healthy when you look at how he. He tempts people and he accuses people. That's pretty much what he does. And really what he's about is lies. He's the opposite. So if you have this supernatural, which I never figured this out, people are all about believing in God as a supernatural being and all. When you get to the evil one, it's a joke. Or or it's too far on the other end where there's nothing they can do. They need exorcism. And so... uh but you read these scriptures. We just mentioned these three. Well, it seems like to me he the the Bible's clear that he's a formidable opponent. Oh yeah. He's talking about scheming, strategizing, devouring like a roaring lion. And he's but, looking for people to, to well, right. To put it I'm on. like, now wait a minute here. Let, we we need to stop and address this. And so in this in in Peter's version here, he gives he gives these two attitudes where he goes to work. Because you got to remember, if he's a liar, and, and his best lie is the one with the most truth in it, you know, a deceiver. So he takes our pride, and uh, he takes our, uh, 
what is the in our anxieties so you think about what those things are and that's where he goes in there and he either tempts you or accuses you of whatever and i and i feel like the extremes that we take wrongfully are uh are the same extremes when you start feeling like you have to to deal with him you you think what does he do he either tempts you or accuses you because he wants you to make you feel like you're something, which is where the pride comes in. I mean, you're ain't nobody gonna tell you what to do. You're awesome. You look at the accolades you have and the successes. So he tempts you with that, or he accuses you, and it goes all the way to the other spectrum. You're no good. You're worthless. You can never be forgiven. You're just terrible. And it's so amazing to me that humans, they take, we, we tend to go to these extremes and that that's where the devil's playground lies. He either exalts you way up and you think you're something and there's no need for God, or he just, he realizes that you're so down that you can never come out of this. And I think that's the way they, he works in all avenues of life. It's a good point, Jace. No, and, and, and of course, I was thinking about when you were talking, I was thinking about James 1, 13, which gives us a little insight. When James said, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire is conceived, he gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Yep. So this idea that it's... That's the cycle. Oh, I think that's, that's the cycle. key. Look, he doesn't do anything over and beyond what your own self wants to do. He just tells you a lie of justification, and which is what, you know, the little voices in your head, that's, that's not him, it's you. I heard a great example. It's like somebody saying, you know, you're playing a tune and... You're hitting the keys, and so once you're hitting those keys, he just comes in there and tells you a lie that that was awesome. <laughs> when you hit the wrong key, with it, it wasn't, and and he's just playing your own tune that because everybody has a different set of uh, you know makeup and what their weaknesses are, right. you know. But it's that little voice that justifies what whatever camp it is in the temptation or the or the accusation. I mean, I gave you a few, but uh. The temptation is, well, like you're successful and, and let's say you make a lot of money and you've made a lot of sacrifices and to be successful. And so you think, well, you know what? I deserve to have this one little thing for, for myself because look at what all I've done. Well, see, that's a temptation. No, no, you, you, you're taking credit for something God blessed you with. And now all of a sudden you think that excuses you to do something that you know is wrong. But you justify it because there's a lie involved here. It's like, well, have, have a, why do people have affairs like powerful people? Because they think, well, look at all the sacrifices I made. I mean, I gave up everything for my family. Yeah, it's like a. I think what what happens is you. It, it's a slight twisting of the truth a lot of times. And you know, you you mentioned earlier about how you interpret this. You mentioned you even like in your family, and there's these ideas about submission and roles, and people debate all these issues. And you get, and what's your camp? What's your strategy? What, what side are you on? And I just feel like you, you're missing what what he's talking about here. When you start thinking about camps, you start thinking about where where you stand on this. This is not it, this is not simply instructions of how we are to conduct ourselves. He's he's pushing us into an ethos, into a a, um, a spirit into a, a way of living, a way of being that is is countercultural, 
and it's, I think it's best said it's an upside down kingdom. So you have a view of the kingdom that's about power and it's about authority and it's about all these and who's in charge and who's the leader. And who, I'm not the leader. And that, that, but that's not this kingdom. In this kingdom that we're talking about, it's upside down. Actually, when you get down and you start serving somebody and you start living in a, a submissive spirit and you are kind and you're humble, there's, that's the exaltation in the upside down kingdom. And it actually works. I mean, if you think about your own life and you think, man, I've been living in the other kingdom where it's about power, consumption, consolidation, authority. Well, I want, I'm going to get what's mine. I'm, I deserve this. What they miss, what they miss too, it is brought up. Peter brings it up when he said, you stand firm in the faith because this is one of the things we say, well, this is just unique to me. Why is this happening to me? It's not happening to anybody else, but worldwide, because you know, stand firm, that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It, so sin is not just unique to one individual who thinks it's all coming on him and nobody else is dealing with sin. Everybody deals with sin. Everybody. Worldwide. Yep. Well, and the consequences may cause suffering, but it may just be from, you know, we're still praying for an earthquake and so in that, the evil one yep. moves in there and, and tells you a lie. What's the lie? Well, if, if God was a God of love, why in the world would this happen? You know, I mean, th these are the kind of thoughts that you have in that yep. realm that just that are a lie yep. that are trying to justify you being bitter or where this leads. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're right. It, it's about attitudes, and when you look at, I mean, look, it, it's one thing to read, cast all your anxiety on him, but most people don't feel like anxiety is something you could ever get a, get away from or cast from. It's like, they're like, well, I have no control over my anxiety. I mean, they actually have names of that, you know. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. but, you, but you do, according to this text. So, all right, we'll talk more about that in our overtime segment. If you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.